Well, it's Tuesday. We're doing two chapters today, and I've misplaced my bell. So, um, I'll be, um, just having to make the ding, ding, ding sound with my, with my mouth, face. I don't know what I was about to say. Anyway, so I'll just be saying ding, ding, ding. Um, I'll find the bell soon, I hope. Um, or a replacement for said bell. I don't know. I might be able to make something up, like, if I tap the pen on the book, does that make sort of a ding, ding, ding sound? The cat's judging me for that sound, but so long as you don't, I'll be fine. Cats can judge all they want. Um, my only chapter note for this time is, um... They say something about the furniture was all sent round by water to the new location where they're moving to, um, and that means they use the canal system, which was relatively... Um, the canal system was being built up in England. It's really cool history. You should totally look it up. There's a really... I think it's still on BritBox about traveling England by canals, t TV documentaries thing, and it's it's a cute show. I... I like really boring documentaries, in case you can't tell. My favorite documentary is called Great Canadian Rivers, and it's three seasons, and they just talk about a different river each episode, and it's really boring, and it's just so wonderful. I can't even describe to you how wonderful it is, um, but that is neither here nor there. Um... Aside from the fact that I guess it was water-related, so I almost can sneak it in as semi-related, maybe? Anyway, that's my only chapter note for Chapter 5, so let's get started on Chapter 5. No sooner was her answer dispatched than Mrs. Dashwood indulged herself with the pleasure of announcing to her son-in-law and his wife that she was provided with a house and should incommode them no longer than till everything was ready for her inhabiting it. They heard her with surprise. Mrs. John Dashwood said nothing, but her husband civilly hoped that she would not be settled far from Norland. She had great satisfaction in replying that she was going into Devonshire. Edward turned hastily towards her on hearing this, and, in a voice of surprise and concern, which required no explanation to her, repeated, "'Devonshire, are you indeed going there? So far from hence, and to what part of it?' She explained the situation. It was within four miles northward of Exeter. "'It is but a cottage,' she continued, "'but I hope to see many of my friends in it. A room or two can easily be added, and if my friends find no difficulty in travelling so far to see me, I am sure I will find none in accommodating them.' She concluded with a very kind invitation to Mr. and Mrs. John Dashwood to visit her at Barton, and to Edward she gave one with still greater affection, though her late conversation with her daughter-in-law had made her resolve on remaining at Norland no longer than was unavoidable, it did not produced the smallest effect on her in that point which it principally tended to separate edward and eleanor was far from being her object as ever and she wished to show mrs john dashwood by this pointed invitation to her brother how she totally disregarded the disappropriation of the match mr john dashwood told his mother again and again how exceedingly sorry she was to take a house at such a distance from norland as to prevent his of being any service to her in removing her furniture he really felt seatedly vexed on the occasion for the very exertion which he had 
the limited performance of his promise to his father was by this arrangement rendered impractical. Impracticable. And I'm going to keep moving on. The furniture was all sent round by water. It chiefly consisted of the household linen, plate, china, and books, and a handsome pianoforte of Marianne's. Mrs. John Dashwood saw the packing depart with a sigh, and she could not help feeling it hard as Mrs. Dashwood's income would be so trifling in comparison with their own, and that she would have any handsome article of furniture. Mrs. Dashwood took the house for a twelve-month. It was ready furnished, and she might have immediate possession— no difficulty rose on either side in the agreement, and she waited only for the disposal of her effects at Nor Norland and to determine her future household before she set off for the West, and this, as she was exceedingly rapid in the performance of everything that interested her, was soon done. The horses, which were left by her dear husband, had been sold soon after his death, and the opportunity now of disposing of her carriage, which she agreed to sell that likewise in an earnest advice of her eldest daughter. For the comfort of her children, she had consulted only her own wishes. She would have kept it, but the discretion of Eleanor prevailed. Her wisdom, too, limited the number of servants to three, two maids and a man, and one whom they were speedily provided from those amongst who had formed their establishment at Norland. The man and one of the maids were sent off immediately to Devonshire to prepare the house for their mistress's arrival, as Lady Middleton was entirely unknown to Mrs. Dashwood, she preferred going directly to the cottage to being a visitor at Barton Park, and she relied undoubtedly on Sir John's description of the house as to feel no curiosity to examine it herself till she entered it as her own. Her eagerness to be gone from Norland was preserved by a diminution of the evident satisfaction of her daughter-in-law in the proposal of her removal and a satisfaction which was but feebly attempted to be concealed under a cold invitation to her to defer her departure. Now was the time when her son-in-law's promise to his father might, with that particular propriety, be fulfilled, since he had neglected to do it on first coming into the estate. Their quitting the house might have been looked on as the most suitable period for its accomplishment. Uh, that means she's thinking that, okay, well, he didn't give us any sort of gift when... Um, my husband died and he finally got his estate, but maybe he'll do it now that we're moving because that would be a very convenient time to do such a thing. Um, and that, yes, yeah, so that's what she was saying there. But Mrs. Dashwood's, oh, I quit too, I skipped too far. Since, no, it was right. But Mrs. Dashwood began shortly to give over every hope of the kind to be convinced from the general drift of his discourse that his assistance extended no farther than their maintenance for six months at Norland. He so frequently talked about the increases expenses of housekeeping and the perpetual demands upon his purse, which a man of any consequence in the world was beyond calculation exposed to, that he seemed rather to stand in need of more money himself than to have design of giving any money away. In a very few weeks from the day which had brought Sir John Middleton's first letter to Norland, everything was so far settled in their future as to abode, abode as to enable Mrs. Dashwood and her daughters to begin their journey. Many tears were shed by them in their last adieus to the place so much beloved. Dear, dear Nor... Dear, dear Norland, said Marianne, as she wandered alone before the house on the last evening of their being there. When shall I cease to regret you? When to learn to feel a home somewhere else? Oh, happy house, could you but know what I suffer in now viewing you from this spot, from whence perhaps I may view you no more, and you, ye well-known trees, 
But will you continue to be the same? No leaf will decay because we are removed, nor any branch become motionless, although we can observe you no longer. No, you will continue the same, unconscious of the pleasure or regret you occasion, and the incense and insensible of any change on those who walk under your shade. But who will remain to enjoy you? End chapter five. Wow, you guys, you have no idea. Between my uploading... Oh, sorry, kitty. She just woke up from a dream. Um, between my uploading, the end of that chapter, like, two hours has passed. While Anchor was apparently telling me I had no internet. I tried a billion little things. I had uninstall. And blah, 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 blah. Anyway. Okay, so we're back on track. Um... Yeah, so, <laughs> did you like John Dashwood's going, oh, well, because they're moving far away, now I can't help them, and it's more annoying to me? Like, seriously? What a ridiculous person. Um, I mean, we did describe him as cold-hearted, and, well, that's about it. That's pretty cold-hearted as you can get. Um, you know, it's kind of that indifferent cold-heartedness, kind of, um, you remember... Um, in persuasion, Mr. Elliot was, I think, indifferently cold-hearted. That he just, he just didn't care about anyone beyond himself. It was just the selfishness that. Ugh. Anyway, all right. So that was a very short chapter. I was going to say, as long as I have a little extra time, um, when uh, Pride and Prejudice, the Karen Knightley version, came out, I was still in high school. I know I've just dated myself horribly. Um, anyway, and I decided once the movie was announced that I was going to read Pride and Prejudice for the first time because I'd never read it. Um, Jane Austen wasn't required reading in any of my schools or anything. And, um, so I think I was a sophomore or a junior. I don't remember which. I think I was a sophomore in high school. Um, and I read Pride and Prejudice, loved it. I'll tell you more about that when we get to Pride and Prejudice. And then the second book that I picked up from Jane Austen, and I don't know why, I don't know why I did, but like, for some reason, I just was like, what is another Jane Austen book I could read? Oh, Sense and Sensibility. And I picked it up and I did not, I just got through chapter five before I quit. I was like, this is the most boring thing I've ever read. What is this story even? Um... So, and I tell you this now, you know, and of course now in retrospect, I'm like, okay, well, my problem as a sophomore, I hadn't yet had enough historical learning of Regency World to really catch all of this. Like, I didn't understand entailment and I didn't understand um, the subtle insults of uh, Mrs. John Dashwood. And, you know, a lot of that was kind of over my head. I'd read Pride and Prejudice really flying blind and I just kind of enjoyed the dialogue parts essentially and this book there hasn't been that much and it's been kind of slow um and so if you are feeling that way listening to this story and you were like what is this story even about why am I even reading this story don't give up is my message um I gave up on Sense and Sensibility and then I did not pick up another Jane Austen book. I reread Pride and Prejudice like a billion times. Um, and then like in 
ooh, what would that be? That would have probably been about 2010. So, like, five years after I first read Pride and Prejudice, six years after I first read Pride and Prejudice, I got the annotated Pride and Prejudice as a gift. And I was able to read all the historical notes and the contextual notes of Regency culture. And I finally was, like, educating myself as I was reading, and it started to all make sense. And that's when I decided I would read all the Jane Austen novels. And that's when I found all the joy and the pleasure in them. And that's why I wanted to read the Jane Austen novels, not just the books themselves, but kind of, you know, a lightly annotated. I mean, I'm not, I can't really even call this annotated because I'm not able to give you, you know, professional historical advice. I can just like wiki things for you and jump in every now and then. But, you know, I, I wanted to share a story with you that I thought would be more approachable with contextual notes. Um, and because... I think it's too bad that people don't read Jane Austen. And I think it's because of this whole, it's the same reason people don't read Shakespeare and Shakespeare is brilliant and gorgeous to read even better to watch. Um, but you've got to have some, some time and some patience with it. And I didn't have time and patience with sense and sensibility when I first started to read it. Um, so I wanted to just kind of give a, you know, a little shout out to anyone else who's listening to this podcast and they're like, uh-huh, this is an exciting book. <laughs> and Because, I mean, I started this pod, this story off by saying Sense and Sensibility is an exciting one. And I don't know if anyone was out there. I can think of one person in particular who might be out there being like, um, you said this was exciting. Where does it get exciting? Trust me, it'll get exciting. Oh, I forgot to mute my phone. Anyway... Just wanted to let you all know that, um, yeah, my phone sound is a loon. Um, I did that because anyone who messages me must be loony. Ha ha ha. So funny. Anyway, um, yes, I like dad jokes. On top of all of my other wonderful things you've learned about me, I also like dad jokes. Uh, so, uh, that's my little three cheers for having some patience with the story. It does pick up. Now, when I say exciting, this is still a Regency romance. It's still a Jane Austen romance. It is still going to be full of morals and quietness. And it is still going to be very down-tempo of, you know, if I picked up, um, you know, a, a romance novel off the shelf today. Like, it's very different. But anyway, stick with me. Stick with the story. We'll have a really good time. And next chapter is also short so i'll be uploading it right away right away so i'll see you all in just a jiffy if the app keeps working <laughs> wish me luck